Welcome to the E Street Cafe podcast, the cool, friendly place for great music chat. Welcome to another episode of the E Street Cafe podcast. Coming up. And say, well, we, we made a decision. We're going to replace you in the band, you know. And, but he sees me over there and he comes over and he goes, man, man, do you remember the E Street Shuffle? Hulk a hulk a bird in love. <laughs> Just a hulk a hulk a hulk a. Hi, everybody. Jeff here. And without further ado, let's crack on and enjoy the second part of our chat with Vinny Mad Dog Lopez. So, going back to the, the Bruce <laughs> album, we talked, we talked about greetings and how that all came together pretty quickly. Um, yes. Now, if you listen. For anybody who's kind of lived under a rock for 50 years, if you listen to the first two Bruce albums, here's my view on it. I don't know what yours is, but the first album and the first side of The Wild and the Innocent, you could almost think they kind of go together. Um, whereas side two of Wild and the Innocent, for me, I still think is probably Bruce's best side of music. If you look at okay. it, three songs, it's almost like a concerto. It, it, it paints a scene. It's a, it's a, it's a vignette. For me, yep. Um, yep. My my question, Vinny, is when you heard, particularly "Instant" on Fifty Seventh Street, New York City Serenade, those two s- songs for me stick out. When you heard that music being brought to the band for the first time uh, in early '73, mid '73, what were your views then on Bruce's direction and the music he was starting to write? It was the same. I don't know. The way I felt is I knew that I had to come up with a, a beat. I had to come up with, if I was going to be singing, I had to come up with something that I wanted, that he wanted to sing, that he wanted to hear. And I always sang well with Bruce, uh, you know, our two-part harmony, but now we had Clarence. So we thought about what we were doing, but it was the same process as ever. He'd bring the song in, we'd start playing, and he'd go, no, not not that. Let's do it a a little faster and we go a little faster and that's that's the way that's and it the process was was simply that the hardest one probably to get in the studio right was new um uh incident on 57th street because we tried it yeah. fast we tried it slow we tried it a whole bunch of different ways and then came up with the way you hear it today and that that stuck with us you know uh, and a lot of songs, you know, the second album took longer than the first one because we'd get in there and we'd do the cut. And then Bruce would be listening back to the basics and go, wait a minute, I just heard something. And he'd get his guitar and then we'd go back in and do it, what he heard. Hmm. And that's the same process we always used, you know, uh, throughout. So yeah. to, to, to us, the guys in the band, we didn't. We don't mind what kind of music you're playing. It's music. It's Bruce. It's it, what he wanted to do, and that's fine with us. You know, that's just the yeah. way it was. You know, there was no. Uh, oh man, that song isn't what we need to do. None of that. We were okay. Let's let's try this. Let's get this right. You know, that was our attitude mainly. You know? And I still. And I'm not, I still. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go no, ahead. I just. I, mean, I just think that, for me, Instant is still, I think, one of his best pieces of work. You know, It you, took a while. Yeah, well, I can imagine. You know, but, but if you think about when you look at the complexity of that in New York City Serenade and Rosalita, that whole side two of that album, 
Um, this guy is 22, 20, 23 years old when he's writing this stuff. Yeah. You know, you show me a 23-year-old today that can write music like that. I'm absolutely gobsmacked, as they say here in the UK, well, that somebody well, could write music like that. Today, you can't even understand the words. You know, <laughs> yeah. the most bands I hear, I go, wait a minute, first of all, who are these guys? And what are they saying? Yeah. What they just, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it, you know, so... But yeah. it's it's the way it was, you know, and the way it is. So, uh, but Bruce has always uh, told stories, you know, behind yeah. this stuff. You know, like, uh, I'll give you a little trivia. With uh, New York City Serenade, which uh, was Bruce and David Sanchez, and uh, they kept getting to this one part. And they're playing, and there would be like this uh, skip where the, the timing changed a little bit. And it was just like the way they did it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. when they when they listen back, they go, oh, no, listen, to, that's, that's wrong. So what they did was they took me, and this is before it was any Richard Blackwell on Kungas in there or anything like that. And they put me in the drum booth with a Kunga. And they covered me up with the big blankets and they had headphones on me and I had one microphone on that conga. And I became this click track. Oh, right, yeah. So they'd start and I'd go... And I just kept all through what they were doing. The object of me being in the drum booth and covered with all these rugs was so that I wasn't in the room with them and it couldn't bleed into the piano or bleed into the microphone that's on the guitar amp or, or whatever. They didn't want any bleed in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you listen to that song today and they started out, what do you think you hear in the back? Boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just hear the boop, and and it goes all the way through the song. Richard yeah. Blackwell comes in. I'm still boop, boop. So they <laughs> it it bled in somehow to the piano, yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know, it got it got in there. Couldn't get it out. <laughs> so I, it I, stayed. I, I, I'll tell you a little story about. Uh, I'm going back now. I don't know. Somebody's going to tell me on on the podcast my dates are wrong, but I remember. Six seven years ago, buying the remastered copies when when, when uh, the record company brought out remastered albums, right. the first the first tranche, and I yep. specifically listened to the first two albums, the remastered version, and the thing that stood out for me the most was the drums and the bass. If you when, when I first listened to the albums, you know whether it be on CD or whether it be on the original vinyl, playing it on the remastered vinyl the thing that really really stood out was the drums your drums and and gary's bass completely different it it really does stand out an awful lot more than it would do on just standard vinyl and i don't know well they enhanced it somehow you know because the tracks are there yeah yeah you know the tracks the original tracks that we did are there but now they can enhance what we did back there i guess i don't know the process because i was not involved in doing any no. remastering or anything like that. The only yeah. thing I could say is like when we did stuff now, I played along all the time with Gary. Yeah. 
I had the drum was kind of tuned so so if he hit a certain note on the bass I could hit and it would be in concert it would be good and uh, with Bruce it's all through steel mill and everything I played like I was in his back pocket if he did a lick I knew the lick and I did it and the same thing happened transferred into when we started going to the studio on Benelk Stoss I you know who knew what was going to happen when we went to the studio it was all an experiment. We didn't know yeah. what the hell was going on. Yeah. All new to us. You know, I mean, we recorded that one time at Bill Graham's place, you know, and I did do a recording in 1965 with Sonny Kent up in New York city. And we went and recorded on wax <laughs> and, it, and it was transferred to a, they call it a dub. It's a metal plate with enamel. Yeah. And the wax, became transferred to this enamel. And my cousin just found my aunt, Adele, who died a few years ago, going through her stuff. She found one, and she just gave it to me. And wow. it's Sonny and the, old Sonny and the Starfires. Wow. You know, so what I want to do is you can't play it because it'll chip. It's paint on a metal thing, you know. But, you know, so that's the only recording experience we had. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you just you just kind of you go with what you know. You, I always watch Bruce. Bruce, when I when I'm in the studio, I want to hear what they're doing. Yeah, I don't want to just just hear my drums. No, the yeah, hell with my yeah, drums. Yeah. Let's hear what they're doing. You know, okay. to this day, if I'm going to record, that's what I need to hear. Yeah, got one more question about the second album, and hopefully it'll bring a smile to your face because it did to me when I heard the story. Uh, I just want to get your take on this. So the back cover of the album, you're outside a <laughs> shop in, in Long You know what I'm going to say already. <laughs> Long yeah. Branch. You're stood in the middle. Um, yeah. But the photographer was struggling to get you to smile, I believe, on that day. How did they get you yeah. to smile? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you know, first of all, me standing in the middle, like we'd be out somewhere and everybody go, hey, Bruce, how are you doing? You know, I don't know. I'm. I'm not, yeah. he's over there. That's Bruce, you know, yeah, yeah. but yeah, we're all there. And, you know, we were in our surfing jogaroo, you know, we were all hippies and whatever we were in those days. And so there was a lady walking by with a baby carriage and somehow he got us as he was going to take the picture. He got her to show us her top, her boobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they put those shit-eating grins on our faces. Because <laughs> they couldn't help but see it. And they were across the street, you know. And when she did that, we all went, oh, geez, look at that, you know. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, that's that's basically the story, you know. Yeah, well, well I'm glad that matches <laughs> Well, that matches up word for word what I heard, because I think we have um, Craig, <laughs> Craig Statham, who wrote the book um, Saint in the City. He, he, uh, I think he spoke to you researching his book, and he told <laughs> us the story on the podcast. That it just made me laugh, and I thought, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's true. Yep. We were written in front of that antique shop in West End, New Jersey. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know why she did it. He must have bribed her somehow. Yeah, I gave her five bucks. I think I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, everybody gets five bucks, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I say. Five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I came across some handwritten lyrics the other day, and and I know one thing I I didn't mention about the Wild and Innocent is that you're not just credited for drums because you're credited uh, credited for backing vocals and 
cornet, which goes back to your bugle playing days, I guess. Yes, yes. But the second album, um, as that started to tour and be rolled out, um, I just remember that Born to Run, Bruce said that the song came into, or the title came into his head late 73. We know he played it May the 9th, 1974, hence that photograph taken at that night. And did you have any input at all when, when Bruce brought the idea of Born to Run to the band while you were still in the band? Did, do you have any recollections of that song in its embryonic form? Well, I was not in the band. And this is where, you know, I, I was I was gone. February. That was, that was February 74, 74, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gone. But during that time, before Bruce was, he lived in the little house in Long Branch, in his little, mm. little uh, you know, apartment house there. And uh, he, he, he called me and said, hey, listen, I just, and I went up there and I just, he started playing songs and I just, like I used to do, it just sat there and we did some harmony. Now, I never made it on the record, never did anything like that. But he was just looking for stuff, and we went over stuff. It was only like one day yeah. that I went up there and did that, and, and I didn't know what it was exactly what it was for. I didn't know Born to Run from whatever, you know. Mm. But it, it took a while for that to come out. So during when it was going to come out, during that whole, what was it? two-year period or something before that happened after the second album it was so in there somewhere when we did that we weren't no longer on the outs he knew that he could still call me and i'd be there if he needed me you know and that's that's all i remember of that is you know i felt like oh cool i'm gonna you know go up and help him out do something you know i was trying to timeline it in terms of um you know me and you were looking at a photograph of Bruce playing in May 74. Um, and we know it wasn't released till August 75, but I, I know that you had some input. I, I did read about that, that day you had with Bruce helping out, which is, which is fantastic. But I'm still trying yeah, to pinpoint yeah. at what point did the song come to, to And yeah, I, I think it must be in early 74, but, but it, it sounds like it was after February. If you yeah, no, it was a, it was after February, and yeah. it could have been even in '75. Mm. You know, or you know, in those in that kind of it could be springtime 1975 when mm. I got up there because there wasn't there was no snow. I don't re- I don't remember being snow. I just remember going in and he had that little table and the aeolian was over there and he yeah he went we went over stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Vinny Mad Dog Lopez here. You are listening to the E Street Cafe podcast right now. So it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about how you've, because it is about 50 years to the week, isn't it, since you left the band? Close Um, to it, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like it's a sensitive subject, but I did read somewhere that you have no regrets, and of course, you still play on, you're still friends of Bruce, and you're part of the symposiums, everything that happens, but just go back to that day, how did you feel on the day when you were told that you were no part of the band? 
Well, I, I, I used to, when, uh, when we get off the road, I had a little, a uh, little, uh, batch house behind the main houses in Bradley Beach on Fourth Avenue. I had a little place. And when we come off the road, they'd drop me or I'd, I'd be driving or whatever. I'd pull up in my driveway and then I would get Bruce's guitars and bring them into my house. Yeah. yeah. And they lived there until we yeah. needed them and then I'd bring them. So after I got dropped off, you know, I was in my room, door, this was maybe a day later or something or whatever. And they, I guess they had already made the decision to get rid of me. I don't know. But Bruce came in and said, well, we we made a decision. We're going to replace you in the band, you know, and I got a little miffed. I said, what, you know, I don't get a second chance. And he goes, no, it's dog eat dog world. You know, I said, gee, thanks. You know, and I gave him his guitars and I said, Hey, there's the door, bub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose yeah, you, you, you'd seen other guys in the bands have a second chance as well along along the years, I guess, had you? I think everybody has. Yeah, yeah. Not me. I didn't yeah. get a second chance. You know, yeah. I only had one, and I blew it, I guess. But I don't know. It's 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 uh, it's neither here nor there. You know, I'm still who I am. I still sing and play and have fun. And uh, I got my buddies, and they're all yeah. buddies from many, many years ago. They're yeah. all still there. They're all still my friends. You know, when Gary comes around, if he comes, he's gonna, we're going to jam. If, if, if somebody's there, you know, me and Gary and David Sanchez got to hang out. That was some cool stuff, you know. And, you know, uh, it, don't forget, the end of the, the end of my time in the band, they took our, you know, they took our money away. I was like, well, hell, I started, I started feeling like, well, I kind of put this band together and now I'm getting the shaft. Exactly. It's you and Danny. And I said something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I said, you know, yeah. what the hell? What's what's going on here? You know, I mean, I don't get to uh, make amends or nothing. You know, I'm just like, okay, good. So be it. Because, you know, two weeks later, I was in another band. Yeah, I, I want I want to ask you about post E Street Band, but I, I also want to just touch on something else as well because um, I know outside of music uh, you developed other interests, and, and I've been talking to a few people, a few friends of yours who've been on the podcast, um, and the names will reveal themselves shortly. Um, but one that really took my interest, Vinny, was I'm a golfer. I, I've been playing golf for fifty years, and okay. I know. I know that um, you were a caddy master and you caddied in the U.S. Open, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. But, yes, I did. And then the U.S. Senior Open also. Yeah. And uh, with Mark. Yeah. You know, I caddied for Mark for, I guess, around 35 years. You know, and uh, when we got in the Open, we had tried 25 times before that every year <laughs> Yeah. to get in the Open. You know, now I... I now he's he's in you know he's a senior but he still plays in the big tournaments i got arthritis in my left foot there ain't no way i'm walking nine miles anymore it's a young person's game isn't it or a younger person's game that one i think well when you're when you're caddying in those tournaments you better be you got to be alacrity plus and you know no one to speak and no one not to speak and uh 
you know, so uh, now, like this year, probably coming up, he'll have a couple of tournaments where he takes me along and I get to see all the old fellas and all the stuff, but um, he can take a cart because he's a senior. Mm-hmm. So I still do exactly the same stuff that I used to do, but I don't have to run out there with, you know, with a 40 pound golf bag on me. You're still but, playing golf, aren't you? You still play golf today? The very first guy that I ever caddied for, his name is Jimmy Lincoln. When we first moved down to Largo, I figured out, hey, Jimmy Lincoln, this is going back now. So he lives two miles from where we live here in Largo. Uh-huh. So every yeah. every Thursday, not lately, Jimmy's wife, his poor wife is sick. So we haven't played a lot this year, a little bit. But every Thursday we go out and me and Jimmy play. Absolutely. If anybody's tuning in now, what- you know, halfway through this podcast or, or towards the end of it, this is not a golf podcast. It's a music podcast. But <laughs> me and Vinny got side- sidelined talking about golf because we're both passionate about yeah. golf, aren't we? And that's okay. We can take a few minutes talking about golf. Um, yeah, no, golf's but, all right. Yeah, it's great. Well, I think it's great. It's fantastic. I love hey, it. Um, hey, hey, the blind man told me I hit it out of sight the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. We'll leave that in. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's talk um, about what else you've done uh, post E Street Band, because obviously post 74, you mentioned you were in the band within um, uh, two weeks. And I also, um, fast forwarding, uh, you, you will remember this because um, Mark Wright, our mutual friend, was there. And my co-host, Dan, uh, Dan French, he was at the... 2008 roulette fan convention in Rotterdam, which apparently was in the middle of an industrial yep. estate, and, yep. and you were there, you were there uh, doing steel mm-hmm. mill retro, I think, weren't you? Yeah, we got we came from America. Tanker was with us, and uh, yeah. you know I had fellas in the band, and we learned steel mill songs, and we were pretty good at it by that time. We rehearsed. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. you know like a lot of bands that I play in now. We. We go, hey, what about this one? We go, okay, yeah, we got that. But uh, yeah, that was that was a actually fun time. And here's a story about before we went there. The day before I left for Rotterdam, okay, I was playing golf with my friends. Yeah. Now, my I hit a pretty good shot, and it was kind of where my friend hit it. But there, where he hit it, there was reeds and a pond and uh he said did you see where my ball went and i said yeah and i know exactly we went up there and it was like this embankment going down and there was some reeds and i saw his ball in there and i was going to go down and i slipped okay right i went i went i broke my right ankle really well my bass drum foot ankle and I went in into the pond, like 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 this, yeah, into yeah. the mud. So this whole side of me, when I got up, was mud. And this gal came, and my now my ankles really hurt, and they had to help me out. And uh, I had like three holes left to go, so she gave me a bag of ice, and I finished the three holes. <laughs> and the whole time I was in Rotterdam, and we had to. When we got off the plane, it was like we walked like 20 miles trying to get to the bus, trying to get to the, the next place we were, where we were going to stay. It was, it was excruciating, you know? 
But actually, we got and another thing is like they had to go looking because uh, uh, Tony Amato, Bacha Galoop, was playing keyboards with us at the time, and he played the B three, and that's what we had. We had a B three in, mm-hmm. in Steel yeah. Mill Retro, and yeah. uh, they had to go looking for that. Now they come. In, here's the big hall that we're going to do all the main show in, and the PA company. Whoever they were, I, I don't know. They put the PA in the middle of the room and left. <laughs> now, me and Tinker set up the PA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. And then every, you know, here we are. We set up the PA, got it all working, and now there's bands like, oh, we just use, uh, you know, we have to have in ears and we have to have all this stuff and that. We've done Tinker. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he did it. Tinker, he was a war horse that, that day and that there. And Mark Wright, we did an interview that there in front of people. But I just mainly, and I always, I wanted to go see the Zooter Z, the dam, you know, the big doors and stuff that I really wanted to see it. But I couldn't, I couldn't because I just couldn't walk anymore. I was done. But yeah, when, when it came time to play, I played very gingerly. I had it wrapped. But I got home and the doctor said, well, there's nothing I can do now. You know, so it's the way it heals is the way it heals. Yeah. God, well, I, I'm amazed you actually got through that that day, to be honest with you, because I, I heard stories that um, although it was a great event, it was full of mishaps. It was not badly. It was it was badly put together, organized, but it, somehow it worked in the end. Um, well, the music it, worked out. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I believe there was a lot of mayhem behind the scenes, but um, sometimes that makes an event. But my, my co-host, Dan, and our other co-host, uh, Mike Saunders, they were both there. They remember talking to you. And the conversation or the discussion was about, I think you mentioned how some of the early Steel Mill song titles had been misunderstood. Well, everybody yeah, has their own names for a lot of those songs. We had our own names. Yeah, yeah. For the songs, you know, and that, that's all that is, you know, because there's no real albums that we put out with any Steel Mill song. Now, Bruce did on, uh, he put out the Judge song. Yeah. Which is, he's guilty, he's guilty, what people call it. But we called it the Judge song. You know, so uh, that's like an example of that. So I know now, hey, play, he's guilty, he's guilty. Okay, yeah, we got that. We do the judge and the wine, wonderful winos. Yeah, you know, yeah. we do, we do, we do all this stuff.
Talking of jamming, you were jamming with Mark Rice, but um, I saw a video the other day, which I've seen before. I just have to look at it again. And it's when you go on stage, because you've had a few reunions with Bruce on stage at the big events now. And the one that stood out for yep. you was 2012 MetLife. And uh, I heard you being interviewed about this, but I'd love you to tell our listeners the story because what I, what I love the fact is it's E Street Shuffle and Max okay. has disappeared from the drums and cue Mad Dog. But the smiles on your face and Bruce's face at the same time on this video is magical. But tell us the story about how that all came about. Well, if you're talking about the time we did the, the, the E Street Shuffle, is that what you're talking about? Because yeah, I played yeah. uh, Spirit in the Night with him many times. and mm -hmm. uh, but, but the E Street Shuffle time, uh, Dawn and I got there early. Dawn, my fiance, we got there early. And uh, they came and got us, and they put us in the back, and they, said, and they showed us. They said, well, here's where the... Uh, you know, the E Street Lounge is going to be and, and this. And we're just walking around backstage. So while we're back there, all of a sudden in comes Bruce and Patty and their entourage. And Bruce is coming in the store over there and Dawn and I are standing, you know, 50 yards from him. But he sees me over there and he comes over and he goes, Ben, Ben, do you remember the E Street Shuffle? So... You know, I, 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 I play it with the, the B Street band, these tribute bands. I do play yeah. it. I have played it, you know. So I said, yeah, I got that. No problem. You know, I don't have any problem with that. He goes, that's what we're going to do tonight. Okay. So now in comes, we go out onto the, into the stadium in front of the stage. Nobody in there yet. Right. And E Street Shuffle's playing on the big speakers. They're testing the speakers, but they're playing the E Street Shuffle. Now I'm standing out there with Dawn, and then here comes Max. He gets up on the drums, and he's like filtering around with the drums, and Gary comes in, and they're tinkling. So they both see me standing down in the front. So they get off the stage. They come right down to where I am. We're standing there talking. So I said, hey, Gary, Bruce just told me... Uh, we're going to do the East Street Shuffle tonight. I said, I, I said, I know you guys do it. I said, you do it like, like we used to do it in the old days, right? He goes, yeah, exactly the same, except different. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew right there I was in for a treat. And, uh, but then we, you know, we actually had a little rehearsal where I actually did a drum solo with the, with the conga player. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, you know, did it no problem and the way it went and it was a little different than the way we did it but it all fit in so i, I could handle it so now dawn and i go to the east street lounge and we're talking to people and then bruce's uh george comes over and he goes hey bruce wants to talk to you before the show so he takes me and we go into where bruce's dressing room is it's just big locker room you know and and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, listen, we're going to do the street shuffle. And he goes, we, we rehearsed and stuff. And he says, when you come in, when I say, let's go, you come in. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Unbelievable. Of course, they bring me up. And Bruce 
does the whole horn. He does the horn part. And then he starts on the guitar. You know? And I I just, I forgot where I was. I thought I was on a record again. I just came right in and everybody in the band came in. <laughs> so Bruce, before he starts singing, he looks at me, he goes, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm we're, just... uh, and we're both, now we're both going, I went, you know, like, what do I know? <laughs> we'll um, we'll have to try and direct people to watch it on YouTube. It's absolutely fantastic, and I know you mentioned that you played Spirit in the Night with him a few times, and yep. you know, you've even guested with him at the Hall of Fame with Roy Orbison, and uh, there was a, a multi-star yeah. jam there, wasn't there? So over that the years, you know, there. yeah, absolutely. Post '74, you, you you've been jamming along and playing along with Bruce quite a few times, but you've mentioned it now. Let, let's talk about that that jamming session you had because tell us who was on that. All star band with Roy Orbison and yourself. Well, well, Georgie Thies was there with us. Bruce brought yeah. me and George, uh, you know, and we're sitting at the table, Landau and Roy Orbison's wife, and, uh, you know, and it's funny because it was an empty seat between myself and where Bruce was sitting. And every star in that place came and sat in that seat and talk to Bruce and my Bruce knows I always have like a pen with me and some paper yeah. and stuff, you know? Yeah. So he, I kept but my, my pen. I had just gotten, it was a friend of mine who worked for this drug company and it was a, uh, uh, uh it was, it was some kind of a pill on it, you know? So Peter Townsend comes and sits there and he's talking to Bruce and Bruce goes, Hey man, you got a pen? And I said, yeah, I do. And I handed him my, pen with this it was a sandos or something on there but it was a you know down a downer whatever they made you know to help take keep pain away peter townsend stole my pen <laughs> that dirty rat stole my pen but now we're sitting there and bruce before the day night got started we're all sitting at the table and he comes up to me and george and he goes he goes when i say let's go you be ready and he was talking about the end where the jam was I kind of knew there was two drum sets up there hmm. and Anton was the other drummer. And, uh, so Bill Graham's up on stage, Bill Graham gets up there and he's drunk as a skunk, really hmm. drunk, but he starts pulling, going, Hey, Stevie wonder, get up here on the, and then the Hall and Oates, come on up here. And Keith Richards, come on up here. And then Bruce goes, let's go. I followed me uh, and George. I don't know why George wouldn't get up. George is a great guitar player, but I guess he's intimidated. There were so many other great guitar players there. He didn't come up with us, but I got on the other drum set and Anton was there. And then, you know, we said hello and all of that stuff. And then, uh, I mean, Paul Simon sang, uh, uh, Tina Turner and Mick Jagger did honky tonk woman, you know, uh, you know, and, and I got to play in the jam. It was one period of time when Jagger was finished. He came up and he, while I was playing along with, who knows, uh, he's leaning on my shoulders, you know, while we were playing. And it's, uh, there is a video of that somewhere around. Yeah. But yeah. That was yeah, uh, quite a, quite a night, you know, and, uh, like the night that we got inducted, they didn't have a jam session. You know, it was just when the band, when the bands were done, it was done. It was, I guess, I don't know. Our speeches took too long or something. I don't know. We had, 
something happened there. I don't know what yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've obviously, as we said, people focus on your career with Bruce over the five, six years you had. But honestly, your life has been so full with other things. And, and it le I've got a couple of guest questions here for you from people you know. Sure. Uh, first question from Gene Mickle. Oh, okay. You good friends from Gene. And uh, she, she, she wants me to ask you, um, Vinny, you've been a golf caddy. You've worked in the boatyard. You've been a drummer. And not a lot of people know this, but you're also a world-class poker player. <laughs> what, what has been your favorite job other than playing the drums? My favorite job? Yeah. Uh, well, to, t to tell you the truth, when I was, when I was caddy master, that was fun. It was, it was tough because uh, the place I worked, they were open all winter long. Mm -hmm. And they had a fleet of carts. And I worked with, uh, during the season, with George Woods, who was the a caddy master like 20 years before that, that deal. He was older, but he knew everybody. But if, if I worked every day to open up, he opened up on Tuesday, but I opened every other day. I would get there five o'clock in the morning, every morning. Cause I knew who was coming. There was no tea times. You didn't, there was no tea time. Nobody said, Oh, I got eight. I got eight, 10. I got, no, no, no. First come first serve a deal. But I knew who was going to be there first. Yeah. So I, I had caddy, I had 60 caddies and, uh, I got everything moving. You know, and then George would come in the afternoon and replace me around 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. And then I'd go home and pass out, you know. So there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of music going on. I still did do some gigs while I was caddy yeah. master. But yeah. it was it was a great gig because, uh, you know, I, I I I knew certain people, you know, like Phil, 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 piano, NFL, Raiders. He was, you know, open. He won Super Bowls with the Raiders. He was there, and we were old friends from Asbury Park. And he'd bring the football guys, and it was great meeting these guys, you know. But the whole time I worked in golf, it was just uh, it was never a dull moment. Something was always going on. I can believe you know, lightning storms. You have to get everybody off the course, you know, and. You had to be really careful, and what we treated people with respect, and you learn a lot about respect, you know, and and dealing with those guys. You're not one of those guys, the members of a golf club. You're not one of those, you know. Mm -hmm. I only went in that locker room if it was necessary to go in there. Working in the boatyard was good, too, because I learned a lot about woodworking and how to make jigs for the saw to make certain cuts and how wood goes with stuff on a boat so it don't leak things you know uh you got to know that stuff and i'm glad i got to work there but i've done so many different jobs gutters and leaders uh you know just just stuff just stuff yeah you know yeah yeah you gotta eat you know yeah exactly exactly um i've got another question for you from uh our good friend mark wright also known as elvis and he yep. says, uh, hi, Vinny. As you know, I've always said that the only drummer I've ever heard with the same tightness, fluidity and feel as Elvis's drummer, Ronnie Tut, is you. 
So my question, if there was just one Elvis song you, you wish you could played with Elvis, either in concerts or in the studio, what song would that have been? Hawk a hawk a burning love. <laughs> just a hawk a hawk a hawk. You know, because that when Mark's doing a hawk a hawk, or when a, yeah. we have a, yeah. an Oriental, we have an Oriental Elvis in Jersey. When he's hawk a hawk, and he always knows I'm going to be there with the <laughs> with the with the stuff. You know, so I like doing that one. But any Elvis song is good for me. I mean, I saw Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show with the yeah. with the Hound Dog. When I was a kid, you know, and I, I played my bugle along with Elvis. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, Elvis is, is my favorite, you know. Mm-hmm. Beatles are actually my other favorites, so. Okay. All right. Well, we, we have, um, well, this brings me nicely onto the, the closing section of, of our chat today. And I, I think because this has been so enlightening and, and it, it's gone on. What, where are we now? An hour, an hour and forty minutes. We're going to break this into two episodes, I think, Benny, just to kind of. Uh oh. We don't. We we don't want to give people too much too soon. So I, I think we might break this up. But what a regular feature of our podcast. We have something called the E Street Shuffle, where we ask questions which are short answers, yes, no, one word answers, something like that. But sometimes yeah. I might ask you to elaborate. But the reason I brought that up just then, one because of the timing of where we are in the podcast, but secondly because. You just mentioned about the Beatles, and one of the E Street Shuffle questions that we have is Stones or Beatles. What is it? Stones or Beatles? Which would, would oh, you prefer? Uh, when when Sonny and Starfire, we did Rolling Stones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the Beatles came around. Moment of Truth, next band, and we did okay. Stones and Beatles. So. It's hard to say. We liked harmony, so we liked yeah. the Beatles. Okay. You know, that that was our thing. We liked singing, and they had great harmonies, and that yeah. was part of our thing. But the Stones, they rocked out, you know, and we liked yeah. doing that, too. So I, I can't – that's like a almost a toss-up, you know, Stones or Beatles. So. It could be. I, I, I tell the story because I'm from Liverpool originally, and I had a bit of a, a, bit of a banter with Frank Stefanko about this because he knew I was from Liverpool. But in our playground, when we were kids at second school, so we were 14, let's say, because we were in Liverpool, there was the, the tough kids used to come up to you and look at you very oh, aggressively yeah. and go, Stones or Beatles? Stones or uh-huh. Beatles? And they wanted you to say Stones because it was not cool to like the Beatles, even though we were in Liverpool. It was cooler to like the Stones. Well, mods are rockers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But even even though, <laughs> yeah. no, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> so, um, Vinny. Would would you like to play the E Street Shuffle? No one's ever said no to us. And bear in mind that you played cornet on the E Street Shuffle song. You've got to yeah. play. Excellent, brilliant. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, normally we put these questions through a randomizer, but I fixed these just for you. <laughs> uh oh. Let's play. The E Street Shuffle. Right. Question number one. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen happen at a gig? The funniest thing that I've ever seen happen at a gig. Well, after I was out of the band, I went to a New Year's Eve show at the Capitol, at, at, in Philadelphia at the... Uh, Oh, the theater there, but they were playing New Year's Eve, and I went there. So Bruce 
invites me. He says, you got to play, you know, twist and shout with us at the end, you know? So I said, okay. And, uh, we're going, the solo's going on and Steve's looking at me going, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, Bruce and Clarence are fun and, and Bruce is in front of Clarence and they're right behind one another and Bruce tripped and Clarence fell right on top of him and he was like a pancake under there. That's, and that 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 kind of got me. I'm going, oh, look at that! And I saw it, and I saw it. Yeah, it, yeah. it was fun to me. That that was pretty funny, and the Chuck Berry thing was pretty funny too, even yeah. though it wasn't. <laughs> no, we we heard a story from who told us the story? Bobby Chermside. I don't know if you know Bobby, but he told yeah. us the story. New, yeah, great guy. Uh, oh no, he's he's something. Yo, oh, really? We, we, he he comes sees us winos when we play. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, great. But he was telling us the story on the podcast. New Year's Eve '77. So this would have been Passaic to Duke's concert. Bruce turns up, and there's a break in proceedings. And it's been, I think, it's been put out on WNEW FM. And he thinks it's been stopped recorded. The recording stopped. So they have a few drinks, but the recording keeps going. And oh. um, the the set gets looser and looser and looser. But describing that episode there with Bruce and Clarence, it just reminded me of that same story. I thought it might have been the same gig, but obviously wasn't. So, no, it was a, a different different one than that one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next question. Oh, hey, you, you like this one? Golf question. If you could play one golf course in the world, what would it be? It would be. Pine Valley in New Jersey. Often described as the hardest golf course in the world. Yes, it is. And I've never played it. I caddied there. Yeah. Have you? I've never played it. It's a very exclusive to get to play there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. one day I will get to play there. Mm. And, uh, you know, because I caddied and all of that, I know some pros. So I get to play some pretty nifty golf courses when I, when I do get up there. See, something that I do now is because uh, everybody says, Vin, we want you to come play in our golf tournament. Here, we'll put you with these four guys. We want you to talk to everybody. And I'm with those four guys for five hours. So how do I talk to everybody? Well, I do a thing called Beat the Drummer. <laughs> yeah. And what, what they do is, and I insisted on it being a short par three hole, nine iron or less, where every group comes through and for every group, I take a picture, whatever. But I hit the first shot. If they get their ball inside mine, I give them a raffle ticket. Nice, if, nice. If I miss the green, all they got to do is get it on the green, and I'll give yeah. you a raffle ticket. Yeah. But yeah. like I had uh, in this golf tournament last year, I had like 140 guys, a bunch of different groups. I gave away 22 raffle tickets. Okay, stin- okay. I'm very, very stingy with my nine iron. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you don't lose that competitive streak, that's for sure. I've got uh, two more for you, Vinny. Um, if you could give yourself a rock and roll nickname other than Mad Dog, what would you choose for yourself? Uh, yeah. Late for dinner. <laughs> late for dinner early for, early for podcasts I, I knew i know that you're a very i know you're a punctual guy because you were 10 minutes early today which is brilliant i saw you on another interview where 
the guy who was interviewed said you were nice and early. And our listeners don't know this. And I hope you might, don't mind me saying, but you were nearly a week early for this podcast. Yeah, I was. I, uh, I'm also old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called uh, a senior yeah, moment <laughs> yeah the uh the president didn't kick in you know what i mean so, uh... <laughs> okay um last question for you Vinny, before i let you go you've been more than generous with your time um <laughs> and this could be a Vinny question or it can be a Vinny and dawn question what will okay. be top of your what will be your top of your bucket list top of my bucket list well one thing uh Dawn and I really like to do is we like we like to go to Italy and we've been there a few times and I've been there with the light of day uh, shows but Dawn can't come on those it's just no just it's too and it's it's tedious doing the light of day uh, shows that go on in Europe but we go uh, over to glory days in Rimini we've been there twice now and we get to spend a little time. And, and one, of, one of the things that Dawn and I want to do coming up here, and it doesn't really matter Italy or wherever, but we want to, like now when we drive back from Florida, I used to drive and I'd stop halfway and then drive. Now we take, we stop three times because we want to see different things. We want to go to different places that we haven't been before. And, uh, like going to Key West was our first time was last year with Pac Guadano. And this year we're going again Thursday. We're doing uh, his, his Guadano Rue. Pac Guadano has been going, doing it for 20 years. But I go down and I sing with him. But it, it's it's fun. Now, we hadn't been there, but now we're going back this year. We're going with some friends of ours. Stuff like that is important. Now, we uh, on the way back, on the way down and the way up, we stopped in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. We go to Mayberry. Because we both like Andy Griffith. <laughs> and there, there it is. There's the town. It's right there. We stay yeah, in the Mayberry yeah. Motor Inn and we do stuff, you know. And our, our, I think that Dawn and I, we want to travel a little bit and get to live our lives, you know. Uh, it's all nice and well and good, but I'd like to spend a little time doing stuff with her instead of always having to book gigs and, uh, and do them all the time. I, I, I don't mind. I do it. But it's uh, yeah. I'm 75, and I want to do the rest with her, you know. Yeah, that's that's probably a great note to finish on, Benny. And I wish you all the luck in trying to achieve that because we know life ain't straightforward. Sometimes we get thrown little curveballs, and yep. while we're feeling fit and healthy, and everybody who's listening, you know, that's a great way to look at it. Just get out there and do stuff. It's, yeah, and uh, meet people. See, I, I like talking to people, yeah. like yeah. for like. I'm a, just real quick, the very first concert I ever went to was in Newark, New Jersey, at Symphony Hall. It was a Buck Owens show. Yeah. My my aunt and uncle and my my grandmother and grandfather took me to this show. And at the end of the show, the whole show went on. Jimmy Dean was there. I mean, it was it was to me. I'm a kid and I'm hearing this thing go on the stage, and they were great. But one thing, the curtains closed, the show was over, and Buck came out and sat on the end of the stage and talked to anybody that wanted to talk to him. Yeah. Now, being a kid, I saw that. So now, all of a sudden, now I'm, I'm playing music out there. And, and especially when I got on this European at Light of Day tour, 
They always got, I'm the last one to leave in the building. They got to come out and drag me by my ear sometimes to get me out of there because I'm talking to everybody. Yeah, yeah. But I got that from seeing that Buck Owens show and seeing him talk to the people. And so even if I'm not playing or not whatever, if somebody comes up to me like we go to Universal, this thing we do, but people are coming up to me and talking to me. And guess what? What it's all about. It's talking to the people. And they, they ask questions. They want to know stuff. I tell them, you know. I don't lie to them. I tell them what it is, you know. And yeah, they like yeah. that. And I think people like good music, but also people like good music by nice people. You know, it's, well, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you, if you like music and then you get to find out the guy's an asshole and you, you just yep. – then all of a sudden it changes your view. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Exactly. Wow. Brilliant. But that's from a golf pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that before, and and it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, So, Vinny, this has been amazing. Um, I think I've been pushing via – you probably don't know this. Behind the scenes, I've been asking Kaz Messenger, by the way, and also – Gene and Mark suddenly to just have a word and see if you come on the podcast. And I know you've been busy and uh, you've had various things on, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. I've had an absolute blast. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Oh no, it's it's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, we wish you all the best. We hope you get to uh, achieve everything on your bucket list um, we hope that you continue to play golf on a Thursday as long as you can, and and keep beating those keep beating those drums, Vinny. I will as long as I can, and I and I, <laughs> I can't stop. Nobody's going to let me retire. So brilliant, brilliant. listening and don't forget to hit that follow button this podcast was brought to you by geezers in glasses productions i'm going to do a wrap-up just saying thank you you will obviously this bit's edited out um can i be cheeky and ask you to record literally a five second jingle for us which is something like hi this mad dog vinnie lopez you're listening to the e street cafe podcast you got it brilliant okay you want me to do it now do it now. It's or, fine. It's just what I do is just bits get edited out. So, yeah, just give it your best shot. All right. Say it one more time for me so I got it in my measly brain. <laughs> this is Vinny Maddog Lopez. Welcome to the East Street Cafe podcast. No, sorry. You're listening to the East Street Cafe podcast. 
Hey, you got Benny Mad Dog Lopez here, and you are listening to the E Street Project. One more time. <laughs> hey, Benny Mad Dog Lopez here, and you are listening to the E Street Podcast broadcast right now. E Street Cafe Podcast. Oh, uh, wow, well, Vinny Mad Dog Lopez here. You are listening to the E Street Cafe podcast broadcast right now. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> abba-dabba, abba-dabba, abba-dabba. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> abba-dabba.